Hey, McCall. Hey, Kirsty. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's summertime. I know. It's such a good time to just like get outside and enjoy the weather. In fact, um, we're recording this the day before 4th of July, and it certainly feels like summer. Temperatures are in the 90s for the next five days. Yeah. So that is uh, quite a stretch. I look back. We did have, I think, one maybe two stretches of five 90 degree days in a row last year. But if we go more than that, I, I don't know the last time we had, and maybe well, 2012. Well, I actually looked back. So um, the other day, so we didn't have a five day stretch last year. We came close. Did we we get close four. We had a lot of uh, like two or three fours in a row. Okay. I think. And mind you, we had 29 90 degree days last right. year. Right. So I mean, it, yeah, cool. there were a ton of them. Yeah. So you had to go all the way back to September 2015. Ah. And August of 2015 also had five days. And then I went even further. And in 2012, in June or July, don't quote me on the month, but we had 11 days in a row. Okay. Because I was going to say, I, I knew 2012 for certain was the year that we had our our longest stretch yeah. in a row but i didn't know how many it was and i didn't know 2015 was like a good in-between year where we if we get five yeah. then we'll at least tie with that um, yeah oof yeah and the the 2012 wound up ranking number six for dayton um for longest stretch of 90 degree days so there were five other years that there were more days so nope no thanks yeah Hopefully we're not uh, gonna be getting anywhere near that record. Yeah, but. I'm fine. I'm fine with staying away from that record. That's just a little too hot. Yeah. You hit. You, Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say if uh, if our listeners or watchers are uh, joining us this week, we were supposed to have a guest, and for some <laughs> reason we couldn't get the Zoom together. I yes. don't know what the problem was. Uh, you know, we had issues on our end. I think they had issues on their end. Um, but hopefully we'll be able to have our guest on maybe yeah. in the next next episode. I was going to say this summer, we'll definitely make sure that we can lock the guests down. It's a great, um, it'll be a great talk, especially for families and uh, anybody that likes to do a little stargazing. So we will make sure that we get it together. Uh, but you know, technology, COVID, doing everything from home, makes yeah. it a little bit more challenging. So <laughs> I know sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. That's exactly. But so this week is just McCall and I, which I can't think of the last time we just had an episode by ourselves. I'm not even sure if we've ever actually done that before. Maybe once. <laughs> yeah, maybe once. So, you know, it's summertime. You guys are on summer break with your kids, mm -hmm. need something to listen to. We figured we'd talk a little bit about some of the summer projects that McCall and I have been working on. Yeah. Um, because we're, we're lucky. We get to get out into the field and do some long form pieces of weather content or news. Um, you know, July, we do this in the fall, we do it in the wintertime. Um, and so this year, McCall and I both got to work on a story for the month of July. Mm -hmm. McCall's story we're going to talk about first. Ah, Jay, he's here. Guess here. Is he coming in? He's coming in. Let me let him in. <laughs> this Guys, is this is a live uh, well, not really live, but we are already recording. So Jason's coming live on into the tape. room. Yes. Live to tape. So now uh, you have all been saved because Jason is a lot more interesting than McCall and I. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not. Uh, Jason is from Boonshaft. <laughs> so while he gets set up, um, 
we have uh, we work with Boonshoft a lot, the Boonshoft Museum of Discovery. Um, when we did the uh, Great American Eclipse, I got mm -hmm. to go live from Boonshoft. Um, yeah. McCall, you've been there before for the science, I always say it wrong, the sphere that they have that. Um, I think it's just called Science on the Sphere. Okay, Science on the Sphere. Oh, we lost him. Okay, well, maybe Jason will get in at one point. Okay, anyways. Uh, so, spoiler alert, if we can get Jason, it'll be a Boonshoft episode, and we'll talk a lot more about what's going on in the sky. If we can't make it happen today, we will make it happen in the future. Yes. Back to your story, McCall. So, McCall was uh, our meteorologist who, obviously our chief, the night of the Memorial Day tornado outbreak. Mm. And you walked the path. Um, yep. You really made it your mission to make sure that we continue to talk and focus in on our communities um, right. that are still rebuilding. Mm -hmm. And I want you to just quickly talk because this week, uh, a really beautiful act of kindness occurred and yes. you got to do a really positive story. So let's have you talk about that briefly. Okay, so if you're not familiar, in 2019 on Memorial Day, we had 15 tornadoes that came through the Miami Valley, of which uh, we had an EF4 that was on the ground for 20 miles. And between all of the 15, we had thousands of people um, that had either their homes damaged or destroyed. So I did a story this past May 2020, which was basically a follow-up as to how coronavirus has impacted the rebuilding process. And there was a woman named Christine that we had the chance to speak with, and her home was literally being demolished that day when we went. So imagine it's one year later, and finally her home is being demoed so it can be rebuilt. So it was a very uh, sad story that we had to, to talk about, but thankfully we had um, a viewer see that story and was moved. And then talking about coronavirus, we had those stimulus checks that were given out to help people. Well, this person didn't necessarily need the stimulus money and wanted to give back. So she donated the money to Christine, but wanted to remain completely anonymous. So I got a hold of Christine, told her I wanted to do a follow-up with her. And when we met up, and this was in June, I surprised her with the stimulus check. And so the story was presenting her and surprising her with this money. It was really a heartwarming story because we don't, you know, we do stories all the time. You don't know if people are, you know, I know they're listening, but does it, does it really touch people to that core? Mm -hmm. And in this instance, it's, instance, it did. And I was so excited to be a part of, you know, making this day special for Christine. Yeah, it really was such a beautiful story and just so wonderful. And you know what they say, like when you, one act of kindness can spark others. So mm -hmm. the fact that you got to share that story, maybe it inspired someone else and yes. you know, you don't have to give a whole stimulus check, but maybe it's just volunteering some time or, you know, right. if you've got even just a little bit that you can give to someone else who needs it. Uh, it's fun to kind of watch someone, you know, be selfless and then yeah. see how that can impact someone else and then maybe spark a little bit more of a movement. So um, right. I loved that, McCall. I loved it. And and talking to, like you said, giving back, um, Habitat for Humanity is the organization that's rebuilding her home and actually repairing the home next door, which is her parents' home. So both wow. she and her daughter were, you know, pushed out of their home as well as her parents. So they've been living in temporary housing together. So they're hoping to get that all put together soon. Um, but Habitat for Humanity, that's, you know, free. You can volunteer, and that's a way that you can give back, give some of your time, 
and help someone like Christine. So I love it. So that was McCall's special story. If you missed it on WHIO, um, you could go to our website, WHIO.com. Um, also our streaming app. I'm pretty sure that they put that up there as well. And if you're not from the area, but you still listen to our podcast, um, again, you've probably heard of this outbreak. So it is uh, definitely a good story to check in on, on our website or, um, our streaming app for, you know, your smart TV. Right. Um, and then another story I worked on, mine is a little different, but still kind of related to you, McCall. Mm-hmm. Um, mine will, we'll see my story a little bit later in the month of July, but it is about tornado shelters. And I actually did a story on this about six years ago. Um, and you know, we're lucky in Ohio, we do get money from FEMA, from the federal government, uh, to reimburse homeowners that want to invest in a a tornado shelter, which to be honest is truly the safest place you could ever be. Um, it is completely tested for EF5, tornado, 250 mile per hour winds. Um, it can hold, usually there are about six to almost eight adults can go into one of these shelters. They could be above ground or below ground. Um, so they really are a fantastic investment and resource, but of course not everybody can afford them because they're several thousand, several thousand dollars. Right. So what was something that I, um, did a little research on and was trying to figure out was after our Memorial Day tornado outbreak, people saw firsthand whether they experienced the damage or they were just watching the video and seeing the stories that we covered of what our tornadoes could do. And the strongest tornado we had was the one that was, went from Brookville and ended in Riverside, mm-hmm. and it was an EF4, 177 mile per hour winds, I think, but 170, yeah, 170, um, which is you know very very strong, extremely destructive. So to know that this shelter, these shelters are able to withstand that plus some, um, mm-hmm. I didn't know if if more people would be interested. So in Ohio, we have uh, across the state, they get the federal money. And then people in Ohio can apply to the, to get this reimbursement. And so I did learn that there was a huge jump um, in the number of people that applied this year for that reimbursement. So it does kind of show, um, you know, that when you experience something firsthand or something that's so close to your home, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that it, it may make you think, okay, well, where would we go? Or maybe I want something safer than my basement or I don't have a basement. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's the story that I worked on. We're also kind of lucky because, um, in Middletown, which is South of Dayton, there's actually a plastics company, which is one of few in the United States that make these shelters. Um, and they build them for you. They come out to your home, they put them in the ground, they test them, make sure everything's okay. So I got to go to that plant and see them being made and welded and go inside of one. Um, so it was really quite interesting to get to see what these shelters actually look like. Um, And then I got to talk to uh, the state's EMA department about, you know, we've been seeing, I don't want to say an an uptick per se, but we have seen that there are some studies out there about where Tornado Alley is or where, whether or not there is going to be, or there is kind of a little bit of a shift, not saying that our typical Tornado Alley doesn't get tornadoes. No, they do. And it's just the same amount but it's the fact that they're starting to see a little higher frequency, a little further to the east. So I wondered, um, you know, could Ohio start getting more money for this program? Right. So that's something I also dove into, and um, I'll have a little bit more on that about whether or not they can. 
it's tricky because it's money that comes in from the federal government. So even if Ohio wants it, it doesn't necessarily mean they can get what they want, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was interesting and I'm, I'm very happy I got to work on this story. So I'll have and that full story at the end of the month. And I think it's important to mention, you know, we live in Ohio, so we know you did the story on our state, but mm-hmm. I can't say for sure every state, but I'm, I'm confident that every state probably has some type of way that you can get funding yourself. Like each state yeah. might oh, have yeah. yes. shelter funding. So if you're listening in Indiana or, right. you know, another state, um, I would go ahead and try and figure yeah. out um, where that stimulus money comes from. Yeah. And also, can you just speak to a little bit the fact that these tornado shelters, they don't necessarily have to go in the ground. Correct. So they don't actually, the man that I interviewed um, was, he's a Brookville firefighter and Sugar Creek Township firefighter. And um, his was in his garage. So they build them to be above ground as well. um, And they just secure them down. Uh, The man also who uh, runs the planet's Granger Plastics is the company in Middletown. He also said that a lot of times if they are putting one in, in um, a city or excuse me, in a home that is on a floodplain or where flooding is a concern that they will, and that it is required by um, the EMA directors uh, that you keep it up above ground to a certain Mm -hmm. extent. So if you're also experiencing flash flooding, um, you're not so far underground that that's, that that's a risk. So that is something we talked about as well was like, well, if you're underground in the shelter, are you, do you have to be concerned about the shelter flooding? Um, And that's something that he said, no, Mm -hmm. they're built that way. And then when they are installed, um, they will make sure that some of them are, will be like partially above ground. And that if you have one that's just straight up above ground, um, those are built specifically so that they still can withstand an EF5 tornado. They don't have to be underground for that. So it's very interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's such a good story. Um, thanks. So we'll see. I think Jason is, he keeps popping in and out. Um, I can see him, but I'm not sure if we have him on video. So ah, hi, hi, Jason. Jason. All right, Jason, Hello. welcome. This is Jason Heaton. He is from the Boone Shop, Boone Shop Museum of Discovery. Um, that is located in Dayton, Ohio. As I mentioned, we have done a couple episodes with Boonshaft before. Um, it's a very wonderful local resource that we have for all things science. Um, so we're really lucky to have you. And he is the director of astronomy. So welcome, Jason. Thank you we very much. Just, Hi. We were just talking about some of the stories McCall and I were working on, um, Tornado Memorial Day, Tornado Related. So uh, we are happy to have you with us. I love astronomy. So do um, I. So does but McCall. Kirstie. Kirsty Moore. <laughs> I'm a sky nerd, for sure. Uh, but a lot of people are. And so we thought it would be wonderful to have you on to talk a little bit about summertime this year, um, any events out in the future you want to talk about as well. But people have been home. They are home with their kids. Uh, and I think they're always itching for something to do. And if it can be free and in their backyard, um, you know, I'm all, I'm all for that. So welcome, Jason. What all would right. you like to talk about? Oh, uh, what you just said, that's great right there. What, what can you do in your backyard? Um, there are a number of things, and McCall and I were chatting about this yesterday, about seeing satellites in the yeah. sky. That's always something that's fantastic. Um, there are multiple apps, as well as websites you can go to, that will tell you what's flying overhead in your backyard. And uh, yeah, you could do it just from your phone, but I always like to go to a specific site. Uh-huh. I think I could say it's, it's heavensabove.com. It's heavens-above. It does take a little bit of work. You've got to input your, you have to input your location 
and and then you know it's kind of built for astronomers so it looks a little weird but there are so many things that just go overhead in a given night that you may not know but you can see from your backyard I so love McCall, that. McCall was mentioning the Starlink yes. oh, my gosh. Right? oh my gosh people are obsessed, obsessed with those mm -hmm. and I want to know how can I I've seen one or two Starlink satellites but I've never seen them in a row so can you explain is it the angle looking at yeah. that allows you to see more or what? So, well, first a little bit of background in case you didn't know, these are, are being put up by, you know, as, as a way to connect everybody around the world with internet. They're gonna go up in, in more than one uh, shot. So they're, okay. so it's gonna take a while. Um, and then they spread out, uh, kind of like cell phone towers are spread out over a line or, a, or area. So what you see is instead of seeing one satellite, you'll see them dot the sky. It'll look like a constellation, which is why they call it a constellation. So ah. it kind of looks like a long line of dots. Okay. And it's just dot, 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 dot. And, and they'll trail across the sky. And it'll actually make this line of dots all the way across the sky. And it is a lot of fun to see. Uh, I've only seen it in person once. And we put it on our Boonshaft Facebook page right off the bat saying, hey, go out tonight at like 9.30. It depends on a lot of things. The satellites have to be in exactly the right spot for like you've got the earth and the sun and the sun is, you know, it's sunset and the satellites are going over the earth right then like that. Okay. That's where, where their solar panels meet up. That's how and when you can see them best. So it's not all the time. In fact, not at all this week, unfortunately. Is there a good place to find out uh, when you can see them all? Yeah, uh, you can sign up for alerts on some of those um, apps and websites. So it'll email you and say, hey, this is this what you want to see? And it'll tell you when it when you can see them from your location. Wonderful. So that's we'll kind of Yeah, we'll make sure that we uh, will link that um, a couple of those websites for people to use. Mm -hmm. I think I've used the one that you mentioned before. And I'm pretty sure I found another one as well that it literally geolocates like it looks like Google Earth in the sense of like, it was showing me the station and then I could look up and it showed me like what direction to look at. I mean, it was real. I, I need to find that website for you guys because that was a good one for specifically the satellite. Mm -hmm. um, so it is neat. And so it's a unique experience actually to be able to see them line up like that then. So if people especially see it, you're like lucky. Yeah, <laughs> especially I love the International Space Station. It's as large as a football oh, yeah. field. So it's a lot brighter and you see it for, you know, when you do see it, it's, it's very bright. And it's neat to point, point at it and say there are people on it. You know, that's yeah. different from the other things in space. You say there are people on that right now doing whatever they do. Right. Right. And I, what I love most. The Earth casting a shadow into space. Um, also, there's another website, if we're talking about websites, it's called How Many, that's actually the title. Oh, really? How many yeah. people are in space? <laughs> that's How awful. many people are in space right now .com. That's the whole title. <laughs> I just type it in, five. There are five people in space right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's really neat. And so neat yeah. for kids too, to like let them think about the fact that like there are humans up there, guys. Like, right. I love and we that. just launched two Americans for the first time in, I can't remember how many years, Jason, you might know, from the United States. Yeah. It's from when I met my, um, oh gosh, I, I remember the last launch. We showed it here in the planetarium where it was the last launch of the shuttle program. So I think, I don't want to, don't quote me on this, but it's been yeah. like six, seven, eight years or something. Yeah. Yeah. I feel That's like it's really been like neat. about a decade. I knew the answer, but you know, mom brain, I can't remember now. <laughs> <laughs> that is really cool. 
Uh, Jason, what about visible planets? That's always something I talk about because I get a ton of pictures of people that'll be like, what am I looking at? What's this star? And then I'm like, if you look, it's not twinkling. It's not a star. Um, so is there any summer planets that are good in the morning and good in the evening this time of year? Even yeah. I mean, for July, we're just starting July. So even if you just want to focus in on just July itself. Uh, yeah, you can see Jupiter and Saturn. They're kind of close together. Yes. Toward morning, you can see Venus, and you can also see Mars through the night. Um, for most, of, but yeah, Jupiter and Saturn. Jupiter, being the largest planet in the solar system, appears a lot brighter. So mm -hmm. you see that. And what you said about twinkling is very good. If it's low in the sky, kind of low, and it's not twinkling, that's a good way to tell. Oh, also sometimes very bright. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, when I go into work, I go into work in the middle of the night and I always see uh, Jupiter and Saturn. They're my mm -hmm. two favorite. They're my planets that I walk in and watch when I um, go to work. And I'm like, oh, no, one, no, one is, no one else is awake to see them but me, but it, they are pretty high up in the sky <laughs> right around 1 a.m. So um, they're super easy. I can always wow. find them. And Venus, uh, McCall and I, we have captured this before on our weather camera because a couple of them face east. Um, and our Xenia weather camera this week would pick up on Venus very well. So that was fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Venus. And I'm leaving oh, at midnight, ahead. I see. Uh, midnight, Kirsty, I see Saturn. Yes. When, when I'm leaving work. When and you're, you're leaving and I'm coming into work. <laughs> now, if you have even like a decent pair of binoculars, you can point them at some of those objects and, and see things. Wow. So I didn't know if you know that, but it, you don't need a powerful telescope. If you have, you know, a, a a decent pair of binoculars, depends on what kind, but you can see four dots around Jupiter and you can see, you know, the craters and mountains on the moon. If you look That's at that. really cool. Again, yeah. super fun with kids to do that because I did not, I thought you needed a telescope. I didn't know you could just, I know, a pair of binoculars can get that done for you. Yeah, no, I don't want to say that every pair of binoculars will work, but yes, right. some do. Yeah. But you know what? I'm just saying that if you have a pair of binoculars, Try like it. I do, and I've never, I've never even thought, let me go outside and look. So who knows? You might have a pair that could, could be really well. So 4th of July, we have a penumbral lunar eclipse. Yay. Is that correct? It is. Yeah. Go ahead. Can you, you guys explain what's no, 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 no. You, you know, you, you explain. You ex explain. People get excited, but this one's not necessarily uh, that exciting. For oh, us. you guys know all about it. It's just, it's again, it's the shadow, right? We're talking about the shadow of the earth. So, mm -hmm. so you see a little bit of shading and, uh, you know, like a full lunar, total lunar eclipse, you'll get that red color sometimes. Uh, mm -hmm. But this will be, this will be, say it again, prenumbral <laughs> lunar penumbral? eclipse. Right? Penumbral? Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just a light. Yeah. I was kind of bummed because I, I forgot whether or not, um, like that's like, I don't want to say the lamest, but it's the lightest because it doesn't really, it's the faintest shadow that the, that the earth will put onto the moon. So you'll know when you look at the moon Saturday night that there will be an eclipse occurring, but unless you look at the moon very frequently, I'm not sure how many people um, we'll really be able to be like, oh, I think it looks darker. Whereas we've had some partial lunar eclipses where you really can see the shadows yeah. pretty obvious. This one, not so much. But like you said earlier, Jason, Saturn and Jupiter are out and they're close to the moon Saturday night. So that'll be a fun little line. You know, mm -hmm. one of my favorite things to look at in the summer sky is a constellation. And people think that constellations might be hard to find or they don't look like that. But one of my favorites is... Me. Yeah, right, exactly. But uh, the Scorpion is okay. a, a zodiac constellation. It's visible in the south at sunset, or uh, yeah, in in the summertime. 
But my favorite thing about it is that this is not just scorpion. That's scorpion people on this side of the planet, the ancient Greeks, right? A couple thousand years ago. But on this side of the planet, it, is, it was known as Maui's fish hook. So there's a connection to the movie Moana. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, wait, Maui, like Moana? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, in, that's how you can look for it. It's, it's, it's a fish hook shape. Now, the ancient Greeks saw a big scorpion. That was part of the Orion story. But Polynesian sailors saw Maui's fish hook. And it's the fish hook he used to drag the bottom, uh, drag islands up from the bottom of the sea yeah. and create things like Hawaii. That's according to the Polynesian legends. I love so that. A, so there's a Moana connection in the sky, which I always like to tell people about. No, that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> I really love that movie. I watch it all the time. I try to get my daughter to watch it, but she could care less. So I don't know. I <laughs> that's what I said. My daughter's one time. year old. She can just listen to the music and she's like obsessed with the music, but she can't watch the movie because she doesn't have the attention. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but we, I have do. A, we have a whole thing about that in here because it's a fascinating subject. The Polynesian sailors, just like in the movie Moana, they, they used the stars to sail these immense voyages, sometimes a month long, right? Wow. And they'd have to pack enough food and water to get from, say, Hawaii all the way to the Southern Hemisphere, Bora Bora or Tahiti. And they could do it with the wind, the waves, and the stars. They would use, they, and all the stars have different names according to them. So we call it the North Star, they call it Hokupa'a, which means stand still. And Ooh. So there's a whole bunch of really interesting things in the sky, I think, at any given moment. Now, Jason, I know you're going to have to run in a little bit, but before you have to go, um, oh, what is going on with Boonchoff with the uh, coronavirus and everything? Yeah, it, what can people open? do? How can people stay connected? Because it's such a great resource, and I know that, you know, I've brought my daughter there several times. Yep. I would love to talk about that. Thank you. Because we have not gone home since this whole thing was going on. We have been here doing programs like I'm doing right now. Um, we do scout programs. You can check our website. And we've been doing Weeblos and Pearl Scouts. And we'll be doing, and there's these short interactive presentations where we do a little bit of uh, instruction in the planetarium. And then we do an activity. Like cool. we may make Plato phases of the moon. We'll be doing that today. Uh, but, you know, we say, do you have Plato at home? Get it out. We'll do this together. Um, and those are kind of fun. Those are a lot of fun. And those, those have been pretty successful. We also have Camp in a Box. And that's not restricted to just the summer. So they come in two varieties. You can actually just get a camp. And my favorite is Wizard STEM, which is roughly <laughs> related to Harry Potter. Nice. And it's called Wizard STEM Camp. And you can just order the box. Or if you'd like, you can order the box along with Zoom presentation. So somebody from the Boon Shop works with you and says, here's how you do the activity. And it's like a three-hour long program for, for, for the uh, – and, and there'll be several other kids in it. So it turns into like a little fun uh, kind of event. Um, tonight, just tonight, we're going to start our red, white, we're going to start our 4th of July indoor fireworks show. Cool. So wow. that's going on just tonight. It's a brand new show and you'll like, um, above you on the dome, you'll see 360 degree fire, fireworks as well as like being in the Blue Angels cockpit and a couple <laughs> of other really fun things um, set to music sometimes. Uh, but your question was, how are we dealing with the virus? And yeah. the, the, the way is, uh, I like to imagine the Boone Shop right now is more of a, an art museum in the sense that you'll go in, uh, there's a path that you walk, and most of the interactives are, are not open. Mm -hmm. but the planetarium is. We close off most of the seats, just have a little area. You can walk in and out, and then you can go visit the animals 
and this path will take you by collections. But there's something cool that we've done because they can't play with everything. We've brought out everything from behind the scenes. So our giant 12-foot polar bear is, you know, you'll be passing by and he's right there. <laughs> or there's a stuffed monkey uh, on the slide or velociraptors um, in where kids used to be for right now. So there, there's a lot to look at. There's even a scavenger hunt. So oh, did you nice. go through and say, did I see this uh, hologram of a telescope? Did I find this? So we're still open. Um, we have a limit as, course, as of course, and we're doing an excessive amount of cleaning, mm -hmm. of course. So, uh, but yeah, we're still open. We're still here. Definitely come check it out. Call if you want at first and, and ask what we're doing, but, but uh, we're keeping safe just like everyone else. That's wonderful. And Jason, too, it's great. It's so hot, and Boonshaft is air-conditioned and wonderful yes. and a nice, cool um, retreat that you could do with your kids and, and do it safely because, like you said, you guys are taking so many steps to keep everything clean and sanitized and that people are walking and, um, you know, keeping themselves spaced and stuff. So that is really great um, and a really nice resource uh, for the summer months when it can get – sometimes it's just too hot to be outside with yeah. little ones. And of yeah. course, if, and a lot of people may not know that we are an accredited zoo as well. And we have a bunch of animals. You've been here, so yeah. you've seen it. We have a sloth named Patience. We have <laughs> otters. We have meerkats. We have a lot of, a lot of cool animals. So um, they've been here through this whole quarantine as well. <laughs> so definitely, definitely come visit them. So. Yeah, and if you've never been, the planetarium is by far the star of the show anyway. So the fact that the planetarium is open, that's all I need to hear, Jason. <laughs> yeah. Right now, it's the same way. It's kind of instead of somebody ushering you in like a regular show, the planetarium doors are just open from, say, 11 to 2.30. And we're just playing our, our kids' show, One World, One Sky, which is Sesame Street. And we're playing Space Park 360, which is a roller coaster amusement park shows set on different planets. They're just back to back to back to back and you can come in, sit down for a minute and then, and then go on your way if you'd like. So those are some of the many things we're doing right now. Oh, well, I'm very, very happy to hear that you guys are able to be there for the community and, and keep going because we are very lucky in the Miami Valley to have been shoffed. Um, and again, okay. So sometimes we get listeners that aren't local. Um, yeah. Can they join some of these zoom like, interactive things that you guys are doing? All of our programs are listed on the website. So if there's something that, that you're specifically interested in, you can find them on boonshockmuseum.org. Uh, you may have to search around because we are doing so many things. But, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, there, there are Zoom presentations. There, is, uh, there are preschool presentations. There are lots of, and then there are camp in the box. You can see all of those right now for sure, as well as those are the ones I mentioned, but there are other things too. Well, maybe we can find some of those links and we'll put them in the web story to make oh, it easier. I'm sorry. We also have, we've been doing a lot of YouTube videos since Me. this started. Starting in March, we did three a day and then we scaled it down a little bit, but we're still putting them out there. So if you want to see our sloth just on YouTube, you can look for YouTube Dayton Society of Natural History, or you can type in Boonshoff Sloth, whatever. It will, <laughs> but our channel is Dayton Society of Natural History, and it has videos of how you can download materials yourself, such as one that I made, that, which is planets on a can. So you take a regular can at home, you print out a little planet to put on it, and then you can space them apart correctly. So if the sun were three inches, Mercury would be here, Venus would be here, and there's even a video that will instruct you how to do it in, in your own space. So 
lots of videos. Some are just constellation stories. A lot of them focus on the animals, but uh, you can visit Boonshoft online on YouTube. Awesome. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to look at them because I'm doing Telescope Tuesdays uh, to help teach my daughter about science. So I'm going to have to, she's four, so it sounds like that playing it on a can, that would be kind of fun for us to do. Oh, yeah. There's several four-year-old ones. In fact, they're designed for that age. A lot of them are designed for that age. So there are a lot of activities you can do at home with markers and a coffee filter, not just astronomy. So awesome. Definitely check that out. Oh. Well, thank you so much, Jason. Kirstie, do you have any other questions? I know he has to run because he's a busy yes. man. <laughs> yeah, you've got a lot going on. Um, no, Jason, that was wonderful to talk to you. We will make sure that we put some of the links up so that people can get to Boonshoff um, and, and partake in a lot of this fun. It's, you know, kids may be out of school, but keep on that learning throughout the summertime, and Boonshoff is an excellent resource for that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye, Jason. And as always... Bye, Jason. And as always, you can download, subscribe, and listen to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast on your podcast, Apple app, um, Google Play, Stitcher, as well as over on whio.com. If you want to watch the video version, you can download our WHIO TV Now app on your Roku, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV devices. So thank you so much for joining us, Kirsty. This was a all-over-the-place podcast, but in the end, I think it turned out beautifully. I agree. Thank you so much for joining us. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.